0: Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk this morning about joy, and you're probably all thinking, "Well, who do I know named Joy?" But that's not the kind of joy we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the joy that we read about in the Word of God, and joy that we have sung about since we've been kids. And I was thinking uh, about the song, "I've got the joy, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart." Well, you remember that song. And then uh, I've got the love of Jesus down in my heart. And then I've got the peace that passeth understanding. I think that was the first tongue twister that I ever learned. The peace that passeth understanding. That's a hard, that's a hard phrase to say. Why don't y'all say it with me? One, two, ready, go. The peace. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But today's message is entitled Down in My Heart to stay down in my heart to stay and what we're going to find uh is something that we've talked about before we've we've heard messages preached and lessons taught on the scripture that we're going to read here this morning but we're going to learn that joy comes to us when when we're not worrying when we're not worrying when we are praying when we are thankful And when we're keeping our minds on things that we need to keep our minds on. And the scripture that we're going to read today uh, is where we get that from. You know, this is not something we could come up with on our own. This is straight from the word. This is the word from God's mouth uh, and teaching us how we can have joy. Because he wants us to be joyful. Uh, He is our joy. God is our joy. He gives us joy. He maintains our joy. And joy is a thing we all need. It is almost, to me, as important as um, oxygen or carbohydrates, whichever one you want to use there. Uh, but, but joy is a good thing. I want to share with you a story uh, about a farmer who had a farm on the Atlantic seacoast in Nova Scotia. And he was constantly trying to get people to come and work for him. But they hated to work for him because there were so many storms. There was so much devastation and destruction done on the farm that they had to keep preparing and working on that people didn't want to work for him. And they said, you, you live there. It's storms all the time. We don't want to work there. And, and so he would you know, put out these uh, notices, I'm hiring, and people would come. And when they found out where he lived, they said, forget it. I don't want to work there. But finally, one day, they had a a guy to come in, and, and he talked to the farmer. And the farmer said, well, we can expect this, and this is where I live, and this is what we do. And he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, I'll work for you. And the farmer says, well, do you think you could be a good farmhand in these conditions? And he said, well, I can sleep when the wind blows. That's all he said. I can sleep when the wind blows. And so the farmer hired him. And he worked very well, and he was very pleased with, with the work that he did. But inevitably, as, as was happened would happen where he lives, one night a storm was brewing or blowing in. And so it looked pretty bad. Things were, were, were sounding like it was going to be a bad storm. And so in the middle of the night, it got really bad. And the, and the farmer jumped out of bed and ran to the farmhand, and he said, get up, get up. Uh, we got to go outside and make sure everything's tied down because a storm's coming and the wind's really blowing. And the farmer said, no, like I told you, I sleep and can sleep when the wind blows. And the farmer got frustrated, shook his head, and said, whatever. And he ran outside, and he looked around, and he noticed that all the, the bales of hay had tarps over them and that the cows were in and the chickens were in their coops and the doors were barred and the shutters were fastened down. And everything was was ready and prepared for a storm. And he thought, Wow, I believe I can sleep when the wind blows too. So he went to bed and he had a really good night's sleep because everything was tied down. Now the moral to this story is that when you are prepared, there is nothing to fear. When you and I are prepared, there is nothing to fear. So how do we get prepared? And what does Scripture say to you and me about how we can be prepared? And the initial step for our preparation to be able to have joy in our lives is accepting Jesus Christ for who He is and for what He's done as a personal Savior that came to save us from our sins. And then getting into His Word and hearing what it has to say about our lives and what we go through. And shame on me for when I have tried to figure out how to live this life and have not consulted the Word of God because that's where every answer that I need and every answer that you need will be found. And we look other places all the time, but that's where we need to go. So if we are prepared, there is nothing to fear. And we begin to hear about our preparation of course, all through the Old Testament, it really you know, comes to a, a head when, when some shepherds were on a hillside one night and some angels came and delivered a message. So let's look in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse number 8. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse number 8. And there were in the, the same country shepherds inclusive there's inclusion right there great joy which shall be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior which is christ the lord and this shall be a sign unto you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger there's your sign and we have come to bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be for all people so they were bringing this message that joy, true, true, real, uh, 100% pure joy is being brought to you in the form of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we have experienced that joy. But a lot of times we, in life, we're not enjoying that or experiencing that joy like we should because there are things in my life and there are things in your life that kill our joy. There are, we'll just call them joy killers. And the book of Philippians, which is going to be our next scripture for this morning, has a lot to say about that, has a lot to say about joy and how we can have joy in the way we live every day. And to go back to our story, how we can be prepared so that we can experience joy. Now, some of you might say, well, I believe that, you know, we need the troubles and we need the problems And we need the difficult times in our lives because God shapes us and molds us through those times. And I'm in 100% agreement with you. But I can also say that I believe 100% that as we are going through those things, that we can have joy because we have a different voice to listen to than a lot of the world has to listen to. So think about that as we read in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. There's so much right there that we we skim over and don't fully understand. I think think an important word that we need to underline or highlight right there um, is the word, if I can find it again, everything. I was just going to say it, but I wanted to look at it. Everything, underline that. In everything, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Oh, that's where they got that for that song. The peace that passeth understanding um, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And so we are given some some such good instruction right here. And I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, when people give me directions, especially when I'm traveling somewhere, sometimes I forget some of those instructions and some of those directions. And then sometimes... I just say, well, I'm going to skip two and go straight to three because I don't, I don't think two is important, or I think I know a better way. But there is nothing in here that we need to leave out, nothing. We need to take into account everything that is being said here so that, so that we can be prepared. And that's why Paul wrote these things. He says, if you're going to be joyful, and we want to be joyful, and if you want to be joyful, and you want to be able to handle stress and you want to be able to handle problems when they come in your life, then you need to do these things. What these things mean, and these need to be a part of your life so that you can be prepared. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gone into a difficult season in your life and you thought to yourself, man, if I hadn't prepared myself beforehand, this would have totally devastated me. Have you ever had that to happen? And if you haven't, do you wish that was your attitude when trouble comes? I'm I'm ready for this. God's prepared me. And that's that's what I want because I have been derailed before. You know what I'm talking about? Something happens and and you're just like, "What?" And everything's over. Everything good is gone. And nothing that will bring a smile to my face will ever happen again. You know, just totally derailed. I don't like that. I'm not meant to live that way. That is not what God wants me to experience. Because what he wants me to experience is what the angels tried to explain to the shepherds on that night. I bring you tidings of great joy, which is for everybody. So let's take a look at these things just, you know, briefly this morning and see how how maybe many times we've just forgotten the, these basic things that can keep us prepared and ready for whatever happens. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll start this by saying, and I don't want to say this, so that you can think, well, if that's the case, then I don't have to pay attention. But even when I have been derailed, and even when things have totally, you know, when the, when the rug has been pulled out from underneath me, God is there. And God has kept me. And he's maintained things. In a way that without him I probably might not be here today. So even when I forget these things. And I forget to to do the things that scripture tells me to do. He is still there. You understand that? He's still, uh, as Joe said this morning. Joe's on security. So that's why he's not in here. But as he said this morning. God's got it. God's got it. So the, so the first thing we see. And the first thing that we read is that we're not supposed to worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Okay, imagine your life. Imagine your life and there's nothing that you're worried about. And tell me what age you were and where you lived and what you were doing when you experienced that. Or have we ever truly experienced that? No worry. He's telling us here, worry about nothing because worry kills your joy. And we have a tendency sometimes to expect the worst, don't we? If we have low expectations, then we're not disappointed when bad things happen, right? Is that kind of how we live our lives? I think we do. It's been said that we live in an age of anxiety. And we are told as a world, the world population is told that you need to be concerned and you need to be worried about certain things. You need to be worried about global warming. You need to be worried about overpopulation. You need to be worried about the carbon footprint that you're, that you're leaving. And then on a personal level, I've got my own little worries and problems. And sometimes my own little worries and problems seem way bigger than the, these world problems that I'm told to worry about. So I've got all this stuff that, that is causing worry, and it's not what God intended. Now, there's a word here that's used. It's the Greek word for worry. It's called merim now. It's the Greek word for worry, merim now. And what it means is to be drawn in different directions. It means to be pulled in different directions. And that's what worry does. Worry pulls us apart. Worry, worry does damage to us. And the sad thing is worry is worthless. And it doesn't serve any purpose. Worry doesn't change anything that's happened in the past. We know that. Worry is not going to control how things happen in the future. Really, all that worry can do is mess your life up right now. Think about the things that you're worried about right now. And as you think about those things, I don't want you to worry about them. <laughs> but think about the things that you're worried about right now and how it's messing up your life right now. And, you know, it's, it's easy for us to do that. But it's such a waste of energy, and then when we start to concentrate on those things and focus on those things, it's they start to get bigger and bigger, and and I try to think of something, you know, that you that something that you put in your mouth, and it's you know what I can think of is uh, yeah, I don't know if everybody's ever seen these, but you know those little capsules that you can buy at at the toy store. And you put them in water and things just, and they get really big. And they start off like little caps. And then before you know it, it's like this huge, big thing. That's kind of what worry does. As you think about it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I've heard it described, worry is the interest that we pay on tomorrow's troubles. Worry is the interest that we're paying on tomorrow's troubles. And we become so preoccupied with what might happen and we're so messed up in our present troubles and worried about what's going on today that we are living anxious worried miserable lives i read a i want to give you a quote by a gentleman uh, by the name of gordon mcdonald he said no man ever sank under the burden of the day but it's when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear and how many of us have had a problem we were worried about and then we started thinking about, well, how is this going to affect me tomorrow? And then we think, but wait a minute, tomorrow I've got this. And what if this happens and what if that happens? And then you got this snowball effect taking place and worry just gets bigger and bigger and it doesn't accomplish anything of worth in your life. Because what you're doing and what I'm doing when I worry is I'm assuming a responsibility that God never intended me to have. You know, God wants me to have certain things. There's a lot of things He wants me to have, but there are also a lot of things He doesn't want me to have, and that's one of them. There was a study done that showed, there's been a lot of studies, don't worry, but a study in particular that was done that showed that 60% of our fears and what we're afraid of are totally unfounded. Totally unfounded. That's a lot. That's a big percentage. And then 20% of what we worry about is already behind us, can't do anything about it. 10% of the things that we worry about don't make any difference anyway. And 5% of what we worry about we is real, but we can't do anything about it. So taking those percentages into consideration, what's the benefit of worrying? And why do we even need a study to tell us that worry has no benefits, when Scripture tells us that very thing. Matthew 6, 25 says, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink, and don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't isn't life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? And I'm not saying you don't need to be concerned about what you wear and and that you shouldn't have nice things to wear, and that you shouldn't eat good food and healthy food, but don't let that consume everything you do. You know, I, I have such great respect for, for food prep people. If you're one of those people, I respect you, because you have to buy the food, and then you have to prepare the food, and then you have to uh, uh, package the food, and then you got to remember to take the food when you go to work. I mean, I just have such respect for you, but if but if all you get done in your life every week is preparing food, is that the kind of life you want to live? Think about it. For those of you who know how to put an outfit together and who can match a shirt with a tie, I cannot do that. I thank God for my wife because I would be wearing plaids and stripes and everything and wouldn't, it wouldn't look good. But if all you're consumed with and worried about is how you look and what you're wearing, <coughs> i mean this with all as much respect as i can muster get a life get a, really get a life the life life is more than food and the body is more than raiment all of y'all look fabulous by the way let me just say that so so that that's some more good stuff for scripture from scripture for us but for some reason this don't worry is the hardest command for us to obey it's the hardest thing for us to obey We find a problem with every solution, and I find myself doing this. God provides a solution for me, and the first thing I do is, oh, that's great, but what if? You know what I'm saying? Why can't I just be satisfied with that in the moment and see where God takes me with it? But I'm I'm just thinking ahead to all the things that could go wrong. You know, well, what about this? and What about that? And I don't take a moment to say, God, thank you for that. I have been praying for that, and right there it is. And, and you know, you brought me to it. You're going to bring me through it kind of thinking. But instead, we find a problem for every solution. We've got a negative for every positive. When what we need to be doing is what that old song says, one day at a time. Live one day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day at a time. And that's what Paul was trying to tell us in the scripture here. You know, just live one day at a time. We need to be like that 84-year-old grandmother who called her son one day. And she said, hey, I thought I had a burglar in my bedroom closet last night. He said, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, it was late and I didn't want to bother you. So I just nailed the closet door shut and went back to bed. And you know, that is the attitude that I should have and that you should have as a Christian. Let's nail the door shut on on fear and go to bed in calm assurance because God's got it, right? So don't worry. Next thing, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Now, when God tells us to give him something, or when God tells us to eliminate something, every single time that he does that, every single time he does that, he replaces it with something better. You understand that? I th- How many of y'all have seen uh, Indiana Jones movies? Any of y'all seen those? And you know when, uh, I-, I don't know which movie it was, but he was trying to get an artifact and, and everything was booby-trapped and there were all sorts of th- ways he could die. And so I think what he did is he grabbed the artifact and took a sack of dirt and put it in place so that it would hold the weight and keep something from happening. You know, it's like he took the artifact and he put that there. I feel, I feel like that's kind of like what God does. He takes something away and he puts something better in its place. And, and think about salvation, just salvation. He takes your sin and he gives you forgiveness and Peace. Because he took the bad and he always replaces it with something better. That's just what he does. He, he takes a negative and, and, and replaces it with a positive. So what he wants us to do is stop worrying. And what's the positive? What's the takeaway? Well, peace for one thing. But when you stop worrying, you will be amazed. And I will be amazed at how much time I have. How much free time I have. And you know what I can do in that free time? I can pray in that free time. Pray about what? Pray about everything. Pray about everything. I don't know why, I don't know when I will ever get this lesson that that God loves when I pray about everything. The little stuff and the big stuff and the stuff that I feel like I don't want to worry God with and the stuff that I don't even want to think about because I've got bigger fish to fry. He wants to hear about everything bring everything to him not just the spiritual stuff not just the religious stuff He wants to hear about everything that's going on in your life and we got to be specific don't be general you know don't say uh, God help me with all my problems and bless all my family and you know that's that's very general and that's good and you' and our mind and our heart is in the right place. But, you know, when you, when you pray, Father, be with, be with Sandy because Sandy's dealing with this right now. And, and I, think, I think that you're showing her something, but, but, Father, help her to see what that is and help her in this situation and be with Nick and the decisions that he is making and, and help him as, as he's trying to navigate through life and be with Allie and the decisions that she will make and, and be with Smokey and help him not to bite another hole in the wall. And, you know, I mean, come on and and be specific you know father we just want to meet uh, we want to we want church back the way it was and we want to be able to have sunday school and we want to be able to do things and do more and help us to help us to to do it in a timely way and, a, and in a safe way be very specific William. if i'm that specific it'll take me forever to pray and that's okay with god it's okay with god if you fall asleep praying I would much rather fall asleep praying than worrying. And nine times out of ten, if I'm worrying, I'm not going to fall asleep. So fall asleep praying and do what one of the youth that grew up in this church did, Tyler Buchanan. Uh, I, I, was shared the story one time. He fell asleep praying, and when he woke up, the next morning, he just jumped right back in. And dear Lord, be with Grandma and Grandpa. You know, that's that's having an attitude of prayer all the time. But pray about everything. Tell God every detail of your need. Um, God, help me to keep my blood sugars at a good level. Uh, God, help me when I go in for my chemo. Zap those cells. You know, do what needs to be done. Father, as I'm waiting in the uh, waiting room. I've got anxiety about picking up some kind of germ or getting sick. And help me not to worry about that. You've got me. You're going to take care of me no matter what happens. Be specific. Because when your mind is on these things, your mind is on the right thing. And you're going to be prepared. And we need to be prepared. First Peter 1, 5, 7 says, cast all your cares and all your anxieties on him. And you do all that because the scripture finishes there. He cares for you. Have you ever had somebody say to you, hey, how you doing? And you start to tell them and you feel like the second you started, they lost interest. You ever felt that way? You ever been that person? Oh, why did I ask that question? I didn't know I was going to get a whole life history. God will never say that. And God will never do that. Tell him everything. Tell your problems to him. Pray about everything instead of worrying. As a matter of fact, when you start to worry, it's a sign you need to pray. So let's do that. Um, good news for Christians, as if we needed some more good news, we've got great news already. But a life insurance did a survey that found that people who go to church at least once a year live to be six year, or live six years longer than people who don't. Isn't that good news? That is really, really good news. So as we go to church, we hear things like you need to pray, and let's pray, and let's pray about this, and let's pray about that. So it's good to go to church and and learn these things. And we find out that the God who made every thumb, every fingerprint different, and that makes every snowflake different, and that made every voice sound different, cares about every detail of your life. He cares for you, and He cares for me. And, you know, we're going to get tired. You know, people get tired. Uh... I'm tired this morning. I feel like I could have slept about 10 more hours and I'd be good. but I just wasn't going to happen. But we get tired. Everybody gets tired and, and, and we get stressed and, and we have pressure in our lives and we lose sight of what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be and what God has told us to do and what he's told us not to do. But talking about prayer and praying about everything, in prayer... What we do is we silence all the distractions. All those distractions are silenced. And we can return to a place where we're listening to God, where we're being obedient and hearing his voice. And we're reminded by him of what is truly important in life. And those worries and those problems, just like this morning when we sang and worshiped God and focused on who he was, those things just kind of start to fade away and you don't worry about them and you don't think about them as much. We're told over and over again in the New Testament to ask. I don't know how many times I wish I had done that research. But we're told told time and time again to ask. So prayer is important. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Don't worry. Pray about everything. And then the next thing we're told to do is give thanks in all things. Give thanks in all things. This is not a one time a year focus. In November, towards the end, when we start to think about how thankful we should be, we need to be thankful at all times. And I'm going to tell you what, this is something else that's been found to be true, that gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. Gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. It has been proven to increase your immunities. So along with your zinc, your vitamin C, your vitamin D, and your elderberry, be thankful. And your immunity will almost be to the point of a superpower. (laughs) Be grateful for all things is what Scripture tells us. Not only physical benefits, but of course spiritual benefits. Don't be the type of person, well, when this happens, then I'll, I'll do this, or when this takes place, then I'll do that. Be grateful in what you have in the moment. You know, all of us are looking for things to get better in some some area of our lives. It's either financial, it's either uh, physical, uh, relational. We want things to get better. And we can't have the attitude, well, when that happens, then I'll be appreciative or then I'll, I'll be a grateful person. Be grateful right now in what you are in right now and, and with what you have. Because having a lot... Having a lot does not necessarily produce gratitude. If I had more money, if I had a bigger house, if I had more help, if this, if that, or the other, well, we're told to be grateful. Even when you've had the most and when you've had the best, uh, does it cause you to be more grateful? How about when you have something that's less than the best? Are you thankful for that? You see where I'm going with this? Just because we have the best and the most of something doesn't make us grateful. As a matter of fact, it almost seems like the opposite is true. Do you ever find sometimes the less you have, for one, the less you have to be worried with, but the more grateful you are for the things that you do have? I'm not saying that if you have a lot, you're an ungrateful person. That is not what I'm saying. But the tendency is we just want more, and we don't appreciate what we do have. And if we would begin to take stock of all that God has done and given us in our lives in this moment right here and right now. Hey, you're able to you're able to be in this building today. You're able to sit in a sit up in a chair. Uh, You're able to sing and worship. You're able to breathe. Um, You're able to communicate with other people. Uh, You're you know, think of how wonderful that is and how great a blessing that is. Be thankful in what we're in right now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop for time's sake because I got a lot more I'd like to say about that. But in First Thessalonians five sixteen, uh, we read that we're supposed to be joyful always. Very similar to what we've read already. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So he wants me to be joyful but he wants me to be thankful as well so a good part of that praying continually and praying about everything needs to be thanking God for what he's given me for 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 the relationships that I have uh, for my family for the home that we have uh, for the food that we have to eat uh, for the health that he has given for for even and then branch out and Know what's he done in your community? What's he done in our state? What's he done in our, our our country? What's he done in the world? You know, if you look for good things, if you look for reasons to be thankful and give thanks to God, you're going to find them. You cannot help but run into things to be thankful for. So we need to be thankful. We need to stop worrying. We need to pray. We need to be thankful. And then here's here's one that may be the hardest thing of all and it's the last thing we're going to talk about this morning and we need to think about the right things we need to think about the right things Um, sometimes when you're thinking about the wrong things uh, when you're talking about the wrong things when you're participating in the wrong things do you enjoy that now don't answer that out loud. But do we enjoy sometimes the things that we're not supposed to be doing? It's entirely possible. And in the moment, it seems so harmless. But over a period of time, great damage can be done to your witness, to your to your well-being uh, and your mental and physical and spiritual well-being a lot of damage can be done. So what he's telling us here is focus on what is good. Focus on what's positive and not what's negative. This will help to reduce stress if we will learn how to change the way that we are thinking. Change the way that we're thinking. Everybody in here has a mind. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I don't care who they are. You've got a mind. And that mind that you have is a gift from God. Yep. The mind that you have is a gift from God. And the ability to choose what you think on is also a gift from God. Because if he is forcing you to think or do something, that's not love. That's slavery. But oh, how it pleases God when we choose to obey and do the things that he's told us are best for us and we choose to do those things the choice is a gift the mind is a gift he's given us that freedom so what we need to do is what the scripture says and think on the right things and when we do that what we put into our mind is going to affect the way we live What we are thinking is what we are becoming. Think about that. You know, a lot of Christians are very indiscriminate in what we allow into our minds, what we listen to music-wise, or even if it's not music on the radio. Sometimes we listen to things we shouldn't listen to. Sometimes we're watching things we shouldn't watch. Sometimes we're reading things that we shouldn't be reading and a lot of these things are downers and they will cause us to be depressed and that will affect the way that you feel and that will affect the way that you act. So we need to guard our minds. We need to guard our hearts. Scripture tells us to do that. We also need to guard our minds and what is is coming in. It's, it's just like that old term, uh, G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. We don't want that. We need to guard our minds. Um, it's kind of like uh, we're just inundated, though, and and bombarded with so much negative stuff on a daily basis. But our choice is to either listen to those things or listen to another voice. Imagine that you're at a ball game and your and your team is playing, and they're losing. And when the other team scores, people hear you cheering. And they're like, wait a minute. Why are you cheering? Because your team is losing. And they find out that you have your your pods in your ear, and you're listening to another game, and you're listening to another uh, another team that's playing that is your team, and they're winning. And so you're listening to a different voice there. Even though there's stuff going on around you that, is not good you're listening to a voice that's bringing joy and changing your your circumstance and your situation so we have a choice we can either listen to the garbage that the world wants to give us or we can listen to the life-giving truth that our god wants us to hear and that's what we're hearing this morning is is life-giving truth so we got to learn how to change the channels that we're watching I remember when uh, I was growing up and living at mom and dad's house, and the big TV was downstairs, okay? And we did not have a remote control. If you said remote control, I'd say, is that like a car or a plane, toy? Because you just didn't have it. And I had it down to a science, and I kid you not, that if I wanted to watch two things that were on at the same time because we didn't have VCRs and DVRs and all that stuff either, we don't even have vcr's now do we i'm so behind the times but we didn't we didn't have any way to record so what i did is i would jump off the couch and i would hit the floor and i'd grab the dial and i could go from 3 to 6 to 9 just like that and it was always a click and i knew exactly how many clicks you Da-da-da, know i was at 3 and 6 and 9 and i could i mean it was down to a science it was so easy to change those channels and i thought boy i'm good but then along come the remote control and it's so much easier to change. You don't even have to get up off the couch. Amen. We've got to change the channels of, of what we're allowing into our heads and into our hearts and into our lives. And I'm not necessarily speaking just about what we view on television and movies and th- stuff like that. I'm talking about what we get from the world, what we're listening to from the world. When we go to work or when we go to school, the things that we're we're listening to, we need to filter those uh, through a through through God's way of thinking, through a Christian worldview, basically, if you want to put it that way. We've got to think on the right things. And we have to ask us ask ourselves, is what I'm seeing, is what I'm hearing, is what I'm listening to, is it true, is it honest, is it just, is it pure? Um, is it lovely? Is it of good report? Is it virtuous? Is it praiseworthy? He gives us eight things here. Eight things. And that's what we, we we filter everything by. And if it's not, then change the channel. If it's not, then turn it off. If it's not, then turn and go another way. Because what we think about is what we will become. So we need to change the direction of our thought life so we stop worrying we start praying we give thanks and the end result is is what Paul says um, in the scripture that we read today if we do those things then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus so we can sing and understand I got the joy down in my heart because I've got the love of Jesus down in my heart. And the result is the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Greek word for peace is irene. It's from the root word iro, which means join together. We've already talked about worry. And the, worry, the word for worry means pull apart. But the word for peace means join together. So in the context of what we're reading here today, peace is not the absence of something, but it's the joining together of something. Peace is not the absence of conflict in our lives, but peace is the presence of grace in my life. Peace is not the absence of trouble in my life, but peace is the presence of God in my life. And the fact that God is God's presence is in my life is a present that he gives to me so we we guard we guard our hearts and we guard our minds and this is something that the that the philippians would have fully understood because in philippi they were governed by a roman legion they were protected by a roman legion in philippi they were guarded and it was the roman legion that kept peace in their area and they kept the peace So they didn't have to worry because they knew that that the Romans were going to take care of things there. So what you and I have to do is we've got to stop worrying. We've got to start praying, giving thanks, and thinking all the right things. And when we do that, when we do those things, we will understand what God has done for us. He has put a garrison around our, our heart. He has put a guard around our heart. He is protecting us and he is giving us peace. And so when doubt and fear and worry comes knocking at our door we understand he is protecting us with his peace. Because if I understand the importance of not worrying, of praying and being grateful and thinking on the right things then I'm prepared and I want to understand that what I'm experiencing is the peace that passes all understanding. So that's how you and I can be prepared. Nobody likes anything that's unprepared. We don't. We, we're we're frustrated when a teacher or a pastor is unprepared. We don't like food when it's unprepared. I know, as a as a child of God, as a Christian, as His own, I don't want to live my life unprepared. And he said, I'll, we'll, I'll take care of that for you. This is what I want you to do. And if you'll do this, you'll, you'll experience peace that is beyond anything you ever imagined. And since I have experienced anxiety and worry, and I know how that feels, I would love to give him that so he can give me something that's much better.